Blog Talk Radio. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. Glad to have you here. Um, it's going to be a great program tonight, Lord willing, and uh, we believe that God is in the business of answering prayers. And uh, thank you all for everybody that's prayed for so many situations I've been going through in my family. We just thank you for it. Continue to keep us in prayer. And uh, Brother Benjamin is going to be on the show tonight. Keep him and his ministry in prayer. Uh, you don't get to get out on the front lines without getting some arrows fired at you, uh, some fiery darts. Uh, if you didn't hear last week's program, Born in the Fire, please, you need to go hear that because, folks, truly, it's in the fire so often that we experience a tremendous birth. Look at your life. Look at your your journey as being a believer, and, and look at those times when you've seen the real growth, the real birthing times, and it's in the fire, and, and it's in those moments that you come out and you realize that God was doing something that without that, you would have never seen happen, and it's so easy when you get through it to look back and say, wow, that's amazing. It's often so difficult while you're going through it to keep the perspective that God is in control, and this too shall pass. And something greater will come on the other side of it. Well, folks, just praise God. Glad to have you back. I'm bringing on tonight. Hasn't been here in a, in a while on the Remnant Call, and that's Brother Benjamin to share with us an important message that the Lord has laid on his heart. And with no further ado, Brother Benjamin, are you here with us tonight? Hey, Frank. How are you? Amen. Glad to have you back, brother. It seems like it's been, uh, I don't know. As we say here in the country, a coon's age, but and I don't even know how old coons live. But uh, glad to have you back on, brother. Uh, hope hey, all has been you. going well. I um, got only briefly got to talk to you, but um, welcome home. So glad to have you on tonight. Hey, great to be here. Yeah, praise God. What an awesome, what an awesome night. What an awesome time. And I walked outside mm, a few minutes ago an hour ago and I looked up and I and I could see the planets right on the horizon it's like wow you know, Mercury Venus uh, Jupiter Saturn all of them lit up in, in a dark evening sky without a moon and you know that the, the signs are all around us Frank our world's changing quickly now Amen. Time of yeah. trembling. Cup of trembling is about to be handed to the nations. Cup of trembling is going to be drunk by many, many people. And and God's going to use it, like you said, to bring us to a place of purification. So praise God. <clears throat> it's going to be an interesting 
interesting journey tonight. But uh, yeah, you mentioned the arrows of the enemy, right? Yes. The, the warfare is at a whole new level, and I'm a, my dear friend, brother, uh, brother David Murray. He made the comment the other night, brother, the arrows they they darkened the sky and they blocked out the sun. I mean, that's the level of warfare that's going on now, Frank. The arrows so numerous, they literally can block the sun. Brother, we're, but we're we looking. Are not consumed. Hallelujah. Amen. We're looking forward to the day that that sky is peeled back like a scroll, brother, and it's coming. (laughs) And uh, hallelujah. Benjamin, let's open up with a word of prayer and uh, get this program started tonight um, uh, because I know that what will come forth, um, the Lord will bless if we we ask it in the powerful name of Jesus. So, brother, open us up in some prayer. Amen. Father God, thank you. Thank you that we are more than victorious through Jesus who loved us, through the blood of Jesus by which we overcome all of the fiery darts, all of the arrows of the enemy. We overcome the red dragon, we overcome the world, and we overcome our own flesh. And Father God, we lift up this program to the edification of the saints and the glorification of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. And in your name, we pray for your blessing on the message tonight, that it would edify, encourage, and and also instruct your people in what we must now do. And I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. Well, lead it. Show us where the Lord's been leading you, brother. (laughs) Well, this will be interesting. Um, Looking forward to tonight. There's just been so much. You know, it's hard to pick and choose. But, you know, today, November 21st, now, this is kind of an anniversary of sorts for me. Uh, it was this day, 23 years ago, in, in November of 1996, um, that where I had been praying for a solid year, almost an entire year, Lord, show me the end of this matter. And I was running all that money on Wall Street. And, and it was this day, in the evening, right about this time, that the Lord answered my prayer, and he showed me the end of the matter, and and I was translated into the future, Frank. And I, w- I was given a taste of the cup of trembling that's coming. And I, and I drank from that cup among an astonished people. And the cup of the fury of God was poured out, and judgment began in the house of the Lord. And I'm telling you, it was a fearful thing. I was trembling for the next seven days when the Lord brought me back into the into the time, the current time, the present time of 1996, Frank, I could not stop trembling for seven days. I couldn't even talk about what I'd seen, or I would break down weeping. And that was 23 years ago, brother. I remember I saw the judge coming on the church. I saw the persecution about to break forth in the land. I saw a church of Christian people that were astonished. They didn't know what to make of this. They had no idea violent persecution was around the corner for them. You know, they had either were asleep or, or their eschatology their eschatology, you know, had a had them believing they were just gonna be exempt. But the the church of God is where the judgment begins. And that judgment involves the cup of trembling. We're going to get into that tonight. But 
you know, that November 21st, 40 days after my my 40th birthday in the year 1996, I heard from the Lord. He showed me the end of the matter for most Christians in America. Brother, that was that was a difficult difficult thing to experience because I, I was taken to the death camps I was translated into them I was I, I, I couldn't remember I'd been in my living room Frank next thing I know I'm standing I'm being in processed into one of these FEMA camps and they're taking my children I remember, Benjamin, when I first heard this story from you 20 years ago, maybe, or so, um, that you were, afterwards, you were so shook and you, you wouldn't even, you couldn't even go to the store. You were afraid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Lord li- allowed me to live in um, really what I believed was the time of the tribulation for the next seven days. And yeah, I wouldn't move without prayer. I, I would not move without the direction of God. Now, I wasn't in the Great Tribulation. It was just sort of a dry run for me. You know, I was in 1996, but Frank, the very first night, I'm telling you, the kingdom of hell gathered around my home, and I heard them howling in the night. Brother, I went out the next day and the footprints of these monsters were in my backyard. I mean, it was like dinosaurs or something had showed up. I mean, huge footprints with claw prints into the ground. I never told anybody about that, but, I mean, it. the dogs at Doom were howling, Frank. And I was walking it out, brother, and I'm telling you, uh, if, I wasn't ready, and it it blew me away. You know, and I I thank God for the for the dry run that I had at the, at the judgment that's coming. But you know, I'd look to the the admonition of the Spirit of God, and and it was within the next week the Lord woke me up in the morning, and He told me to to get up and to call a man that I worked with. He said, I want you to call Doug, tell him to get up and pray for the days of ease are ending soon. And I'm thinking, you know, it's four in the morning. I I don't want to call my boss and wake him up. I can't be hearing right. And, and um, But it was the Lord, and, and I, I finally called Doug at about 4.30 a.m., and he actually needed to wake up. He thanked me for, for the wake-up call. He had forgotten to set his alarm. And, and that's how we are. So many of us, we have forgotten to set the alarm in the spirit. And, you know, and this, this time has come upon us. On, I remember the Lord said to tell Doug to get up and pray for the days of ease are ending soon. I didn't know soon would be 23 years in God time. Or, you know, maybe 24. I, I thought soon was soon. You know, and some of my critics would tell you, oh, Benjamin thought the day of the Lord was going to happen, you know, far earlier. Yeah, for sure I did. The Lord told me the days of ease are ending soon. I'm thinking, you know, we don't got but a few years. 
Well, no, we we had 23 years. And, you know, now the new year comes. The 70th year of Babylon comes. You know, and we'll see. How close are we to the judgment? I don't know, but I find it uh, alarming that Jeremiah and his scribe Baruch preached for 23 years and pretty much didn't convert anybody. The nation basically mocked them, rejected them. But after 23 years, they woke up one morning and the Babylonian army was on the hills surrounding Jerusalem. You know, and, and we too... Now, I know, 23 years have passed. And the 24th year being a year of the priesthood is coming. So we'll see. But I'll tell you, brother, a cup of trembling is no... It's nothing to take lightly. This cup of trembling will be given to the nations, and the wicked will wring out the dregs thereof. Psalm 75, verse 8. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red, full of mixture, and he pours out the same. But the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them. The cup of trembling is bad enough, but the dregs are unspeakable. Matthew Henry describes them as the loathsome sediments in the bottom of the cup and all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them but in Isaiah 51 verse 17 we read awake awake stand up Jerusalem which has drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury you've drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out and so the people of Israel were handed the cup of trembling and in the judgment that came upon Israel, they wrung out the dregs thereof. And brother, unto the Jew first, and then unto the Gentile. You know, and I think of this cup of trembling, you know, being translated into the death camps and experiencing it. It was not a vision. You guys have to understand, I'm there. I didn't, could not remember I'd just been in 1996. I didn't know what year I was in, but it, it's the not-too-distant future, that's for sure, but I was there. And it was literally like drinking the cup of trembling. And the Jews, Israel has already drunk this cup. But praise God that we don't drink it in perpetuity. The wicked will wring out the dregs for eternity. But for the people of God, this cup of trembling is the purpose of which is to turn us to total repentance. And, and that word for trembling in this text is ta'alah, and it literally means astonishment, to, to reel, to shake terribly. And brother, after I saw, after I got to experience the judgment that will come, that will begin in the house of God... I literally was trembling for seven days, shaking. It was so intense. And when that cup of trembling is given into your hand, it is, if you, if you 
have cause to drink it. It'll bring all of us to the end of ourselves. And, you know, I think there's a better way. I think there is the time of fasting and prayer that will do the same work in us as the cup of trembling. The cup of trembling will change your life. The cup of trembling will bring you to the end of yourself. The cup of trembling will destroy the idols of pride. As a matter of fact, every idol in your heart you will throw in the garbage. You will crush them under your feet, and you will return to the Lord with all of your heart. Because this is an affliction no man can bear. But in Isaiah 51, verses 22, the Lord restores his people. And the scripture reads, reads, Thus saith the Lord thy God, that pleads the cause of his people, after giving Jerusalem and Israel the cup of trembling in verse 17. Now the Lord is, is taking up the cause of his people, and he says, I'm pleading your cause. The Lord is become, he's again come to defend his chosen ones. And he says, behold, I've taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall drink it no more again, but I'll put it into the hand of those that would afflict you, which said to thy soul, bow down, that me, we may walk over you. Brother, I'll tell you, I, I saw that cup of trembling years ago. Back during the age of miracles, I was at a conference, a weekend Christian conference, and it was God was there, the anointing of God was there, and I got touched powerfully. I actually had an injury. I had a knee that was injured from a sports injury, and I was gimping around. But, you know, I could, I could make my way to the conference, and I'm sitting on the end of the aisle. And, and during the worship service, some saint came up to me, just put their hands on my knee. And, brother, I was instantly healed. And the anointing was on me, and I am thanking the Lord for healing me. And he starts speaking to me, Frank, and he says to me, even the faith that you have received is a gift from me. The faith that we have, the love of the truth, and the faith of Almighty God is a gift to God's elect. And the Lord was telling me, even your faith is a gift for me, and I'm going to show you by taking it from you. And Frank, the Lord literally removed my faith. Brother, I turned into an atheist, sitting right in in the, in the seat, I'd just been miraculously healed. The God of heaven had just spoken to me, telling me that he was going to show me that even my faith was a gift from above. And suddenly I'm an atheist. And I'm in a panic. What do I do? And I was in great grief. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute. I know, the only thing I can think to do is to pray to this God that I don't believe in anymore, who I know just spoke to me and just healed me. I'm going to pray to this God and ask him for my faith back. And the Lord restored me. And as he gave me my faith back, Frank, I was caught up into the Spirit. 
and I'm standing in the spirit realm, and Satan appears in front of me, brother, and he hands me a golden cup. I took the cup, and I drank it. And brother, the cup was bad, but the dregs were unbelievable. You know, and I shared that a few times with friends, and they're like, why did you drink the cup? You know, like, like I had a choice, right? And this was a vision of, of what happened in Israel, and it's a vision of what's coming for the church. If we're not counted among the remnant, we will be drinking the cup of trembling. And there may be those even in the remnant who will yet drink the cup or get a taste thereof as part of the refining fire. Because, brother, we live among a generation of people who are compromised. This is the generation spoken of in Proverbs chapter 30. The generation who, how lofty are their eyes. Their eyes are lifted up, and yet they are not yet purified. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes. Their eyelids are lifted up. There's a generation that is pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. They're convinced they're right. They're convinced that they're pure. And at the same time, they're so full of pride. They're so full of their knowledge of the Scripture, so full of their religious identity, so full of everything that they are just lifted up and the most upright among them are sharper than a thorn hedge. And that's our generation. That is our generation. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords. Their, their jaw teeth are as knives. And they will cut you into pieces. And the horse leech, this is Proverbs thirty fifteen. the the socialist among us have daughters. They've got little voters that are crying, give, give. They want everything for free. You know, socialism is close to Satanism because it's not God's way that we would, we would take from one another. Every man carries his own burden. These things are never satisfied. But, brother, that is this time, the time of trembling. And in, it's my witness that it's coming nigh upon us. The Lord promised in the book of Zechariah he would make Jerusalem a cup of trembling. To all the people round about, and when they lay siege against it, it'll crush whoever touches it. The word is ra'al, and it literally means to tremble, to shake, as if from intoxication. Brother, the same cup of trembling is coming to the church. And we... It doesn't work in us, though. Once you drink this cup, you're never the same. You're no longer full of yourself because you. this will empty you out. I want to touch on Matthew 24 make a couple comments about the scriptures of the of the last hour. The Lord answered them and he said, Take heed no man deceive you. 
for many will come among my people in my name, saying, I'm anointed, I'm of the Lord, and they will deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not troubled. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. These are but the beginning of sorrows. And then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. And that word is ap, ap ochtino. And it means to, to kill you outright or to, or to figuratively to try to destroy you. And you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And that's this time right now. And then shall many become offended and betray one another. These are people that previously were loyal to each other. These were friends. These are families. These are members of the same covenant community, the same church, the same groups. But now many of them, and the word is polis, and it means the vast majority, they're going to become offended. Offenses will be given and offenses will be received. And in their offense, they will betray each other. They will hate each other. They will want to destroy each other. And because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold now. And, you know, we see the iniquity. It's everywhere. Our society is turned over to darkness. Who could have even imagined it would be this bad? Ten, twenty years ago, I would have never dreamed that we would have drag queen story hour for the little children in our libraries. Or that it would be legal. People would be discussing whether it should be legal to kill a full-term baby after its birth and call it an abortion. Because of the iniquity in the land, because of the defilement in the land, and because of the, so many lives are defiled in this hour, the love of many will wax cold. And that word for love is agape. The agape love that comes forth from the Spirit of God, from the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is going to wax cold. It's going to depart. And that word for waxing cold is suko, and it it actually literally means the reduction of temperature that occurs by evaporation. As the anointing dries up, as the anointing of the Spirit of God literally evaporates from the hardened heart, that process of the anointing leaving does a spiritual heat transference, and the heart chills and turns cold as ice. And it begins to wax cold. And in that place, offenses are, re are received. Offenses are carried. Offenses are buried deep in the unconscious and the divided recesses of our mind. And those offenses that are carried and born are soon shared. And they're laid on one another. And that process is actually the work of the breaking of the seals of the book of Revelation. You know, we have a very rigid, typically people have these rigid understanding of how the prophetic picture will unfold. But in reality, these 
prophecies are being fulfilled in ways we don't always perceive. Revelation 6, verse 4, And there went out another horse that was red. And, of course, that's the reds, and it's, it's the horse of the red dragon. And power was given to him that sat thereon, the rider of the red horse, to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another, and that they would be given unto him a great sword. And, of course, peace is being taken from the earth even now. Wars are breaking out in conflicts, protests, riots. But this red horse is also manifesting on a personal level. He's taking peace. And that word for peace actually means unity, oneness. He's separating. He's dividing Households, churches, friendships, relationships. The red horse of conflict is coming forth to bring war and to bring hatred and division first on an interpersonal level before it manifests in all of the nations. And Frank, aren't we seeing that today? Have you ever seen a time where so many are so easily offended? It's astonishing. No, it's, it's everywhere. It's at work. It's it's everywhere you go. It's at churches. It doesn't matter. Everybody. It's almost in, and you know what, Frank? It's almost in everyone. It's almost inside of every person, even the majority, the many that Jesus warned us about. Many will become offended. Many will be easily triggered. Many will manifest the spirit of the red dragon, the spirit of the red horse. And, you know, as I was, I was thinking about this, Frank, I was driving in my car a few days ago, and I've seen a lot of this in my, in my relations in, in recent times. I mean, the least small thing and people are getting angry and, and all of us are just our frustration levels are so high because the pressure is on and I thought you know this red horse really is manifesting and, I, and then I thought of the scripture in Revelation 13 where the text reads and I stood upon the sand of the sea I saw beasts rising up out of the sea and that word for beast is Therion, and it means a dangerous animal, a venomous, a wild beast. You know, it's a picture of the satanic. And I thought to myself, you know, we normally understand Revelation 13, where it talks about the beast coming up out of the sea of humanity, and we think of it as the Antichrist kingdom. We think of it as the, you know, the satanic shadow government. We think of it as the Antichrist himself. But it's really the spirit of Satan that's manifesting. And the sea is the sea of humanity. And I thought, wait a minute. As each person is being offended, as they're bearing the offense and they're carrying the offense, and now they start sharing the offense, raging at one another, you know, I literally have seen people explode in anger simply by unsubscribing to their mailing list which is sort of a harmless action, right? It's not a big... I get people unsubscribing on a regular basis. I'm not offended. They don't want to receive any email. That's fine. We all have the right to cancel our subscription. But people 
raging anger, and I'm thinking, this is the spirit of the beast coming up out of the sea of humanity to the extent that we are offended and we become the many that are offended. Many shall be offended one with another and betray each other and hate one another. That's the manifestation of the beast rising up. Frank, as I'm realizing this, it's the beast coming up out of all of humanity. And as the abyss opens, if we've got open doors in us, as the abyss is opened and as the veil is rent and as literally this satanic presence can pour into the realm of the living, this satanic power is going to take over in the lives of these people. And Frank, at that point, I'm thinking the beast is actually manifesting in the majority of humanity. I look into the river, Frank, and for the I've never seen this before. I've driven this road a thousand times, but I look and here's a huge boulder in the image of a human head, similar to the stones of Easter Island. I don't know if it's really in the river or if it was a vision, because I'd never seen it before. I'm going to look for it the next time I drive this road. But I literally see the head of the beast rising up out of the water. Well, ben, Benjamin, I truly believe that this reason is because today's religion is the combination of Joel Osteen and Kanye West. And that is what the Christian church is looking for, for their guidance. And nobody taught anybody that there'd be tough times and that being a believer means you would suffer at times. And so as soon as the first little inkling of something not going right, they're angry and mad because this Jesus thing was supposed to be nothing but prosperity. And how dare you infringe on my prosperity? And I, that's what we're facing right now, it's, and especially with those calling themselves believers, many. Oh, amen. And, you know, there's also a scripture in Ezekiel 7 where the, where the scriptures declare pride has budded. The end has come, and pride is budding. Pride is bringing forth its full maturation. The fruit of pride is contention and arrogance and anger, and it brings forth the scorner and the and strife and the reproach. And Proverbs 13.10 tells us only by pride comes contention. All of this arguing and contention, it's all coming out of the pride of the flesh, and it's coming out primarily from the Hellenist mindset, where everyone conv- is convinced their knowledge of good and evil is superior to everyone else. And if you don't agree with me, I'm angry with you, and I'm going to break fellowship with you. If I can't argue with you and convince you, I'm literally going to have nothing to do with you. And so the pride has brought these great offenses. And the Lord warned us that the love of many would grow cold and it would all be literally defiled into this contentious conflict zone that is the end time. And, and brother, here we are. Look at our political system. I mean, this is ridiculous. All our two political parties do is try to destroy each other now. 
There's nothing else happening. The entire focus is to tear down the government. You know, and that's, of course, by design as a, a precursor to the war, ultimately going to the full throttle against our country. Actually, if you read Jeremiah 1551, the last prophecy is that there will be na- ruler against ruler in the land of Babylon. Jump over there. Yeah, it's in uh, Jeremiah 51, verse 46. And lest your heart faint, you will hear a rumor in the land. A rumor will come in one year. Okay, the 70-year reign of Babylon is ending. And maybe it's 2018. There's a rumor. And after that, in another year, shall come a rumor. Well, maybe it's 2019. And then violence in the land and ruler against ruler. Well, we're seeing violence in all of the nations. We're seeing violence in Venezuela and in Hong Kong and, and in the Middle East. And, I mean, how many countries are experiencing extreme violent protests right now? And, and how much of it's going on in our country and not in the national news? We don't even know. And how much, you know, random shooting violence? How many people get murdered in Chicago every weekend? You know, oh, the pinnacle of gun control. I'm sorry. It, it's happening here. I mean, it, it's all. It's not only just that. The, the Chicago, the Antifa, all the things. It's getting violent here. And if you dare oppose the, you know, anything that's of the the communistic, anarchist mindset, and you oppose anything that is of utter free, do as you will thought theology, you are a target. You're a target. Absolutely. Now. That's right. But the very end of Jeremiah fifty-one forty-six, the Lord says, and then ruler against ruler. That's manifesting right now in our political process. So we are at, we're at the conclusion of this. We're near the end of this process. And the church itself is literally just being caught up in this spirit of contention. It's so easy to, for, it's unbelievable how quickly easily people can be angry. So what is the solution? What's the solution? Well, the first step in Isaiah 26, the Lord in in verse 17 to 21, has given us instruction for this late hour. I'll read you the, the text. Like a woman with child that draws near her time of delivery. And so, you know, the birth of the kingdom, the birth pains intensity increasing, the frequency and intensity increasing, and the world is ready to give birth to the Great Tribulation. The man-child company, the remnant of God, are ready to give birth to the man-child company, and we are nearing the time of the birth of the child. And we're in pain and crying out in pain, so we are in thy sight, O Lord. We've been with child, we've been in pain, we have, as it were, brought forth wind we've not wrought any deliverance in the earth neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen you know here the lord is picturing for us that the the church in this time is not accomplishing anything we haven't wrought any deliverance deliverance ministries that don't bring any deliverance in ineffectual time 
chaos everywhere, confusion everywhere. So many voices, so many prophets, so many people having, you know, so many crazy teachings and crazy visits. Pink-haired prophets claiming to be translated into heaven almost daily, right? Christians drawing magic circles in their living room so they have a portal for their God to come through. Don't do that at home, saints. Bind that Christian witchcraft spirit in Jesus' name. But a time of such confusion and no victory, no deliverance in the land. And the scripture goes on and says, Thy dead men shall live. Death is coming, but even the dead will live when the Lord returns. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awaken, sing, you that dwell in the dust. The time of the resurrection is upon us, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth will cast out its dead. That's in the book of Revelation. Come, my people. Now here are the instructions. Come, my people, people of God, the true remnant of God. You're to come and enter into your prayer chamber and shut the door about thee and hide thyself for a brief moment of time until the indignation of this age is overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, and the earth will disclose her blood, and no more will it cover her slain. And the earth is disclosing her sin. I mean, right? child trafficking, the sexual, the satanic ritual abuse, the trafficking of the children, Epstein and the royal family? Gee, I wonder why such evil being disclosed right before your eyes. And yet the Lord's admonition to his remnant is to enter into your chambers. Why? Why is God telling the people, Go into your prayer chambers and close the door. Separate yourself from the scorners. Separate yourself from the contention and from the chaos and from all of the noise. Quiet yourself. There's work to do in our own hearts. And that work has to do with preparing us for the time that is ahead. In Mark chapter 11, And I'm just going to cover this quickly. You guys can go back and read the entire chapter for yourselves because this is really an insightful picture of the time that's at hand and also instructions on how we're to operate. But in Mark chapter 11, the Lord was coming to Jerusalem. The end of his ministry was at hand. The cross before him. And as he came near to Jerusalem and to the Mount of Olives, he sent his disciples into the village to, where he said, there you will find a colt tied up. And so in that colt that he rode on as he entered Jerusalem in the triumphant entry, that's a picture of the remnant. And at this point in time, that colt was tied up at a place where two ways meet. And so, too, the, the bondage, the spiritual bondage that has come upon both the church that that is really the Laodicean era, the church of the Laodicean era, and the same bondage that's come that exists in, in the people of Israel as well, bound spiritually, free in the flesh, but bound in the spirit. 
God's about to release that and use a remnant of people, even as he used that cult, to triumphantly present himself both to the religious leaders and to the world. And so the Lord, as he entered Jerusalem on the triumphant entry, he entered into the city and he went to the temple. This is Mark 11, 11. And when he had looked around about upon all things, the Lord entered the temple and he looked around, he looked about, and he perceived everything that was happening in the religious system of his day. And it says, and now the evening had come. And so the Lord didn't do anything. He didn't say anything. He just left, and he went unto Bethany with the twelve. And in the morning, they were coming again from Bethany. And the Lord was headed back to Jerusalem. And now he was going to deal with what he'd seen the night before. He came upon a fig tree, and he was hungry. And seeing that it had leaves, he was hoping he would find perhaps something to eat and it was not the time for the figs yet but there would have been perhaps some unripened ones and yet he found nothing no figs not even the the beginning of the growth of fruit on this tree and so the lord literally cursed the tree and he said let no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever and his disciples heard it you know this was a picture of the judgment which he would bring upon the nation and upon this religious system of the old covenant that was now fully apostate. And unto the Jew first, and then unto the Gentile. He came seeking fruit and found none. Branches bearing leaves, but no fruit at all. Today, in most Gentile churches, the branches don't even bear leaves anymore. The leaves have fallen to the ground branches are twice dead and the bundling will soon begin and then they will be cut off and burn in the fire and I'm, I'm not suggesting people will lose their salvation they're going to be purified through this fire that's coming if they belong to the Lord and they're going to drink this cup of trembling but I would warn you there's a better way follow the admonition of scripture Enter into your prayer chamber. Begin seasons of fasting and prayer. Pray that the Lord would open doors for solemn assemblies where a small company of saints, you could gather together, confess your sins one to another, pray for one another, and overcome the spirit of offense, which has given the enemy so much ground against all of us and rendered the church in many, many lives fruitless. So the Lord cursed the fig tree and said, There will no more fruit be eaten of thee forever. And then he went on to Jerusalem, and that's when he entered the temple and cast out the money changers. And he did this as one with authority because it was his house. It was his father's house, but as a son, he had, he had the right of authority in that house. And, of course, that represents the Lord cleansing the temple, the Lord cleansing the lives of his people. And, of course, the scribes and the chief priests, they heard it, and they sought how they might kill him. They hated him. 
because he spoke among them as an oracle of God. And he spoke with power. The living Rima word of God had come. And he had been rejected by the men that ruled over the temple. The religious system being led by dead, dead men. The rituals of the old covenant were now as dead as the dead men's bones that would be littering the ground 40 years hence. And then in the next morning, they passed by again, and Peter saw the fig tree, and he said, Lord, the tree which you cursed, it is, it's withered away from the roots. And Jesus answered and said, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and cast it into the sea. And will not doubt in your heart, but believe these things which you have said will come to pass. You will have whatever you say. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever you desire, pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, well, the Lord just told us that we're supposed to operate in authority. Whatever is in your way, whatever is blocking, whatever is hindering the kingdom of God and opposing the will of God in your life, these are the mountains of satanic power. These are the seven mountains of the beast. These are the high places of false worship. These are the high places of idolatry. These are the strongholds of the enemy against your life. And the Lord says to you, whenever you come up against one of these mountains, you have the authority to say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the, into the sea. Of course, the sea represent, represents humanity. These satanic forces are going to be thrown right back into the sea of humanity. But they're going to be moved out of your way that you could pass unhindered and unopposed forward in the straight and narrow way of the Lord's road to the kingdom. But the Lord goes on and says, You know, whatsoever you pray for, and it of course, this is subject to the will of God. The power of the kingdom is not so we can exercise the will of our flesh or the, to achieve the, the pleasures of our flesh. The power of the kingdom is given to us that we could do the will of the king, that we could exercise the authority of the name of Jesus to bring the kingdom of God in our lives and in the lives of our family, the lives of our friends the lives of the people that we're praying for, and that we cast out the satanic powers, and that we would have the authority. But the Lord goes on and explains to us what we must do to walk in this authority. And he says, and when you stand praying, when you stand praying and taking authority against the satanic powers, you must first forgive. If you have ought against anyone, if you're carrying any offense, you must first forgive that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespass. For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your sin. Amen. Now, is the Lord telling us that believers are at risk of going to hell if they haven't perfectly forgiven? Well, you know, some legalistically-minded people might think so, but that's not the message here in the Scripture. What the Lord is saying is, if you haven't forgiven everything, at that point, you are still under 
sum of your sin. And if you have not yet been forgiven all of your sin, it means the curse that came still operates with authority within you. And to the extent the curses have authority, your power in the kingdom will be restrained. Now, God intends for us to be forgiven of all of our sin. And each one of us is going to walk through the purging, purifying fires or the times of solemn assemblies or the times of fasting and prayer, whatever is required for us to come to the place of forgiveness, which requires us to come to the place where we forgive every offense against us, the Lord will order the circumstances to bring you to that place. And once we have forgiven all of the offenses we were carrying, then we will also be forgiven all of our own. And in that place of total forgiveness, we can break all the curses, the generational curses, the curses that came through the false prophetic words that we received by being deceived, the curses that came from our own foolish choices to follow the ways of the world, the flesh, and the devil, being deceived by all of this iniquity that is abounding around all of us. And in that place of total forgiveness, now we will operate unhindered, unopposed, with the authority to move these mountains. Jesus wasn't teaching that we would lose our salvation if we've not yet forgiven everyone, only that it would impact our authority. If we don't forgive, the enemy has a toehold in our flesh. And that hold, that hindrance, can cause doubt in our souls. It can bring doubt in our hearts. Our spirit man is born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. When we get saved, our spirit man is filled with the living Spirit of God. But our minds are not yet renewed. And our souls are not yet cleansed. And therefore, our hearts are yet divided. Our spirit man is seeking the things of the kingdom. Our hearts and our minds, not yet renewed, are still bound by some of the lies of the world. And in that place, we are partially double-minded, and we therefore have little to no power in the kingdom, other than the power of the flesh to operate in the Hellenistic model, using our knowledge of good and evil, and argue and debate with one another about scripture and doctrine and prophecy. So it is the issues of forgiveness that set us free and enable us to walk in the fullness of his anointing. And yet this is the hardest issue every one of us faces because these areas of unforgiveness are buried deep within. And so we have to dig deep. And some of us, are we actually have a split of our mind. There's a, there's a part of our memory that is actually under a denial veil. We can't even remember what happened. And that's the reason for the prayer and fasting, brothers and sisters. That's also the reason for 
the purifying fires that are coming. That's the reason for the furnace of affliction. God is going to take us through whatever is required to bring us to the place of total repentance and total forgiveness that we will be totally cleansed and prepared for the wedding feast. Father God is going to save you. But some of the process is going to be very uncomfortable for your flesh. And for some of us, we may be drinking from the cup of trembling. But it came to pass, it doesn't come to stay in the life of the elect. And, you know, we really understood if the Lord could show you what is ahead of you, if you continue on your current course, many of us would change directions and would suddenly take heed to the commandment in the book of Joel to begin fasting and praying and gathering in solemn assemblies. But alas, many, many people disregard the instructions of the Lord, and they force the Lord to literally do this work within them himself, and that's what the cup of trembling is all about, and that's what the judgment that's coming in the house of the Lord that's what it's here for. But to the remnant, I would, I would encourage everybody, there's a better way, and you know we need not go through that purging fire. There's a remnant that will be redeemed, and then you know the rest of us are going to be purified in the fire. But even if we go through the fire that's coming, you guys, we're not going to hell for eternity. The judgment that's coming upon the church to purify the church is going to be in part. It's going to be in measure. And, you know, it may be more than we can handle, but it's it's only a portion of what awaits the wicked. And so in all of these things, we have reason to give thanks to the Lord. Even in his judgment of his people, God uses mercy. And, you know, even in the people that are going to go through essentially martyrdom, and, and large numbers of Christians are going to be martyred. People who believe, people who are saved, people that you know, people that we go to church with, perhaps even ourselves and our own families, many of us are going to be martyred. But I got news for you. We don't go alone. The process of purging us only goes as far as the place of total repentance. And once we let go of all the idols, and once we forgive all of the iniquity, and once we release all the offenses and we take it all to the cross, at that point the Lord forgives us of everything, removes every curse, every hindrance off our lives, fills us with peace that passes understanding and and literally holds our hand through the time that is ahead. So, you know, there's really no reason to fear anything other than the Lord. Amen. But the dark yeah. days are indeed coming quickly upon us, brothers mm-hmm. and sisters. You know, I would encourage each of you, you know, search your hearts. Begin fasting and praying. If you have never fasted in prayer, You've never spent any time fasting, and I'm talking about you know, more than skipping a single meal. I'm talking about day or days of fasting. If you've never done that, 
you are missing out on the most important part of the preparation of the remnant. And if you have been disciplined and diligent in, in fasting and in prayer, you know, then I would encourage you, seek the Lord and ask him to open doors for solemn assemblies, which are small group gatherings of saints who are serious about the day that is at hand, and they're serious about repenting, and they're seriously seeking the face of God in a small group of saints who gather together, everybody fasting and praying, in anticipation of gathering over a weekend or a few days of fasting and prayer, confessing your sins one to another, the men and the women separating into small groups. Brothers and sisters, if you do this, it will change your life. So be asking God to open those doors, and I encourage you, you know, trust the Lord. He knows what he's doing, and he is capable of fulfilling his word in which he said, I will protect that which is mine. Everything else will be destroyed in this time. And so, you know, it's just incumbent upon us to, to consecrate our lives and our, our temple, our tabernacle, and our hearts mm-hmm. to the Lord, that we could become fully his, and then you can be assured that he'll be protecting you through this time. And um, mm-hmm. for the many, the many are then going to also be purified in the fire. Hallelujah. We get a crown of, of glory for not de- denying the Lord. So. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And folks, just, you know, one thing, you know, sometimes it does feel like you're in a situation and you can't handle it. But it's at the moments like that you have to remember Scripture above emotion. The Lord promised to never give you more than you can handle. And you have to remember that. If Job had not remembered that, he would have took his wife's advice and cursed God and died. Okay, he didn't, but he didn't. He remembered the goodness of God even in his tribulation when he felt like he couldn't handle it. The disciples drank the cup. All of them, look at the, the, how they died, the things they went through. But even Paul, through his life, as amazing as a believer as he was, the Lord was always helping to fine-tune Paul throughout his life, just like he does with us. And these times of judgment and, and testing and trial or to, to prepare you for these last days when everything's breaking loose and, and that when the world's falling apart, then God uses you as a weapon for good in reaching people. You'll be surprised, folks, what can happen, how fast this gospel will reach every single nation in a moment when everything falls apart. Folks, it's got to come down. That way the gospel will reach the hardest hit places, and God can use you. So right now, when you're suffering in that thing, remember, God is there. Brother Benjamin, I know you've been through times. I've been through times. We've all been through times when it seems like it almost lights out, and God always pulls us through. He always pulls us through. And folks, don't forget that. Never let your emotion override the promises that God has. Like Benjamin said, it will pass. It'll come to pass. Brother, thank you so much for sharing this tonight with us. And the importance of forgiving other people and releasing that stronghold that is down deep within so many of people's hearts. Folks, I, I one night time, my wife and I, we were in West Virginia driving past this place. 
where I lived for a short period of time when I was a little kid, and there was a terrible incident that happened there, and I didn't realize how much of a stronghold it had on my life. And Benjamin, this is late at night. We're driving by. I'm not. This is not even on my mind. All of a sudden, it all floods in, and the Lord reveals it to me, and I was able to actually release that in forgiveness of what happened. And it was hidden deep. I didn't even know it was in there. You know what I mean? And it was amazing. The release totally. what took place at that moment, brother. Thank it's, you so much. We we all have those areas we need to pray through and overcome. And hey, Frank, I would ask you uh, include the link to the Job message in the notes for the YouTube or whatever, um, so that people after they hear this message. If they're so inclined, I think you might be really blessed to listen to the teaching on the prophetic meaning of the life of Job. And it's a great encouragement. And, you know, Job went through a harder purging than pretty much any of us will see. And, and it's a great encouragement as well. Amen. And, brother, you were just recently um, on George Norrie's show too, correct? Yeah, I was on um, – Coast to coast, uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. All right, we'll include that also in the link uh, on how on this program how to find both of those episodes. Uh, I remember the Job episode. I actually remember where I was um, listening to that show uh, back when you did it on a Mega Man. So, uh, brother, I can remember that uh, vividly. And um, so, anyways, praise God. Um, thank you, brother Benjamin. God bless you, folks. Don't give up. Um, God has a work. This is all in his timing and his plan, and these hours of trial and tribulation will bring forth wonderful fruit. Not that cursed fruit, wonderful fruit will come through, um, and God is going to accomplish it. So, brother, God bless you so much. God bless each one of you for listening. Check out the show links. Keep up with what's going on in Brother Benjamin's uh, ministry. And this is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Yeah.